Well, welcome back, first of all, to the Cult Popcast. Yeah, hey, this is Steven. The number one best-rated pop mm. culture podcast that nobody listens to. That's true. It is, it, is number, <laughs> it is the number one rated pop culture podcast that nobody listens to. That's exactly what it is. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. I needed that affirmation today. I do a little branding on the side. Anyway, I had a remarkable opportunity last week to see... Tell me about it. James Cameron's critically acclaimed 1997 film thereabouts the titanic or just titanic 97 i got to see it for its 25th anniversary it came back into theaters mostly in 3d i got to see it in 4d real d 3d yep can you explain what that for is? those of you who aren't familiar with the format or do not live in orange county i'm sure they have this other places no, you know, in no. big cities Only exists here okay i'm kidding <laughs> 40x is a cinematic experience that is essentially like uh, a simulator. If, you, if you've been to Disneyland, it's like Star Tours. Oh my God. Your row of seats, four apiece, are on a bit of a jib. This sounds awful. You've never been in there? No. They're on a little jib, and there's, so there's uh, like shaky movements. Is it like $50 per movie? The ticket yeah. is, I think it's close to, it's about 20. Oh my gosh. Wh- or it's more now. They keep raising the prices. My surcharge on my Regal Shocker. Unlimited is eight. Which is more than IMAX, I think. They got to oil it. They have to oil your theater. <laughs> There's probably some maintenance. Last time I went in there for Titanic, some of the seats were busted. They're like, you can't sit there. And I was like, oh, shit. It's, it's intense. Anyway, wow. your seats are on a jib. Sounds like it's in a theater. So there's shaky movement and motion to track you know, stuff that's happening in the film. There's also inclement weather. What happened during the sex scene? Oh, I... Was there probably. some bumping? <laughs> No, <laughs> I mean they don't really do any was stuff. the ship it, rocking? They don't. They don't show you like the thrusting in the film. <laughs> That's true. Her hand hits the window. Yeah, and does then your, does your seat vibrate? No, maybe it did. I I can't remember. I will say the use of 4D in this film it was very tasteful. I was concerned when the trailers were rolling. I've only seen two or three movies in this format, and they were both action flicks, <laughs> like Bullet Train. When when and, he was painting her nude. Was there like a light breeze coming no. across your face? No, no, but there was on the top of the boat. Oh, really? They they hit you with wind. Did the, they hit you with smells? There were smells. What? The theater was freezing. Freezing. There was water. There was smoke. Water. There was a ton smoke. of stuff in this theater. Were there mirrors? No. Smoke and mirrors? No. Just water and smoke. Yeah. What kind of wait? You th- they put smoke into the theater? Yeah. A little smoke machine in the front because Ex- it puffs out. No way. Yeah way and and <laughs> and there's no like smoke detector or something no there? it's not like smoke smoke it's like uh smoke machine smoke. what happens if there's a fire how do you know to get out of it's the part of the experience are you seat belted no no no, no you're not are you sure yeah what happens if it leans too far forward you fall you're, out of your seat you're out of luck there's no way it doesn't lean that far i'd say in terms of degrees it probably never goes more than two. i want to feel like i'm on the stern of titanic as then it go see lifts it in 4D. up no no as it lifts up into the air stand on your and seat. you have to crawl onto the back of it as it sinks into the ocean no what i'm saying is like if it doesn't go all the way then it shouldn't go you know what i mean the yeah seat. i i agree is it but, just like this <laughs> like just, yeah it's a little bit of that but it's, it's sometimes like 15, it gets aggressive a, like, a like if something more action-centric is happening 
the the movement of the jib is violent like it's what like if you have a bad back <laughs> don't go to 40x because your back is fucked <laughs> but it was really cool did you I, like the movie because you'd never seen Titanic. yeah i'd never seen it in its entirety and it was uh fantastic there's a reason why it is so highly regarded and that's because it's really good yeah it's good you know you get prime leo and kate winslet and james cameron and kathy bates Kathy Bates, I didn't even know she was in there. I had no idea Bill Paxton was in there. They framed the movie through like the 90s uh, dive. The worst part of the movie. But you get to see that radical haircut that Bill Paxton had Do you know that they did not, like they did not intend on coming into the ruins of Titanic? They, they, in fact, it was lost like to time. And then someone was like looking for something like a submarine or something. And they found the Titanic on the bottom of the ocean floor while looking for something else. And that's how they found the ruins. That's and it, it wasn't like an even until the 80s that they had found that. I also heard, I think JP told me this because I was telling him I was going to see it, that James Cameron essentially yoinked the dive or something like that from somebody else. They were going down to shoot it and he more or less stole the opportunity, I think, to go down there. Something like that. James Cameron is a shrewd businessman. And if you've listened to our <gasps> Avatar 2 podcast... You can hear all the things, all the lovely things Stephen has to say about him as a person. What? I would never. From all accounts, I mean, he is. But I did. (laughs) Despite his genius, uh, you know. Oh, what? His what now? His genius. Okay, what? His 20th century genius. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. (laughs) He is is kind of a, seems like a bit of an asshole. Did did you watch that behind the the scenes I sent you? Where he was like young and. Well. Young, he Kurt. was like in his fifties there. Okay, since late seventies now. He looked like his late forties. He's aged well. He looks fine now, but he's like in his seventies. Okay, not that age matters. I mean, you know, but he look he looks good <laughs> for his age, and he looked good then. He's at the early anyway. Not here to. So you like Titanic? Yeah, it was great. Ten out of ten. Nine. Um, you know what? Nine yeah, out ten. ten out of ten. There you go. And I don't typically. I know you don't say that. You don't throw that around. Like I don't throw it around. I'm not a ketchup. I'm not a on a I'm, hot dog. I'm not a floozy. I don't just go giving out ten out of ten. I'm not like going around looking for extra Chick Fil A sauce. If you know what I mean. You would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was a cool experience. Should I mention the other thing I did as we approached the Oscars? I don't know. Not that we're doing hardcore coverage. Stewing. But I got to see all the Oscar shorts in uh, theaters as well. You did. Yeah. Were they short? They were. Some of them were long. You saw... But we can't call them longs. Animated. You saw animated amidst the live action ones, right? Yeah, there were two separate screenings. They each ran about an hour and a half. They showed the five animated tied together and then the five live action shorts tied together. And uh, pretty cool stuff in there for the most part. What was your favorite? Of From, each? Yeah, of each. The, for the animated, there was a an Apple Films production called The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and, and the, the Horse. horse. Which was pretty good, but I also really liked the one called Ice Merchants, which was a silent animated short. And it's really cool to see the storytelling that can be accomplished without dialogue. Because the boy, the wolf, or whatever, that one was like the mom. a little overbearing <laughs> with the dialogue. The chicken and the... Thing. But the live action was really cool too. And um, the standout for that might have been the one from Ireland, which was essentially like Banshees of Anishirin, the short film. Uh, but it's a boy it's a, and about a guy that doesn't want to be friends with another guy anymore sort of it's these two brothers the one of which has down syndrome and mm. they're spending time together 
doing the bucket list of their late mother on their farm that the older brother or the yeah the older brother wants to try to sell the farm yeah and the down syndrome brother is just like you know he doesn't want to leave sure he thinks he can you know do the whole thing by himself the whole farm ranch thing and they become closer over that bonding experience just a really nice wholesome and often hilarious narrative what or doc narrative yeah these are narrative okay there is a separate section for doc but they weren't playing those so short doc yeah just really cool because they're international short films and so we got to see some scandinavian stuff some other european stuff the one from luxembourg dealt with like an, an arranged marriage from like a middle eastern country coming into europe and um some pretty powerful stuff there with storytelling um yeah just really cool there was another one i can't remember what it was anyway really cool this is the first year i've gotten to see the shorts so not not and we've never really cared less about the academy awards than we do now after the last few years although i should say on that note jimmy kimmel's hosting again this year yeah and they are really beefing it up to try to be like billy crystal's handing the reins over to jimmy kimmel that bit was hilarious and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm yeah. definitely going to watch. Well, you were uh, going to watch anyway. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, I, it's like, it's almost like I can't not, but, uh, but anyway, I, like but I, I, we're just not going to do the whole push like we were in the past. We're like, we got to watch everything and podcast about everything. And anyway, yeah. So let's talk about what we're going to talk about today. We came to talk about uh, an animated feature that i had no intention of ever covering on this podcast another film from last year another, well yeah yeah we're still playing catch up but and which is also a random one-off character from another series of films called shrek uh this is a a, a, a basically like a secondary character that somehow got his own film and then the sequel to that film after like 20 years of this this ip being around it's called Puss in Boots. Puss in Boots. My Puss, friend. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Yeah. And um, people were hyping this and still like this movie is just hyped up like crazy. Like, yeah, it's like it's the best thing since Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse or whatever it's called. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, OK, so I got to go check it out. So I did. I went and checked it out. I saw it in the theater uh, alone. <laughs> like I did, like like I did the whale. Nice. It was just me and the whale. Very similar film. Me and <laughs> yeah, Puss in Boots. And uh, it had me laughing. I was laughing a lot, mm-hmm. especially in the first half. The um, whale. <laughs> <laughs> too soon. Uh, in the first half of Puss in Boots, I was laughing a lot, and um, it was uh, it was good. It, it definitely was not as good as the Spider Man movie for me, but I did like it. Did you like it? I loved it. You did? Yeah. On that note, let's talk about a song. Oh. <laughs> we're going to pause for a break. You got another one? Yeah, we got songs. We got songs. We're, we're, doing the th- we're, doing, we're doing this new thing where we recommend a song, and um, I'm going to do that now. Here we go. We used to do fake sponsors. And yeah, now we're doing fake songs. Look how far we've fallen. <laughs> uh, today, I'm going to recommend something really weird. That's something I normally wouldn't recommend, but it's a Taylor Swift song off of her new album called Midsummer Midnights Day something. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, the song's called Antihero. The thing I like about it though is that it features an artist or a group of artists, a band called Bleachers, Ooh. and they 
they sing. It's like a guy comes in and inserts a version of the verse into her song. And that's why I like this song. So I'm going to focus around that verse and you're going to hear some Taylor Swift, uh, the anti-hero track. Here it is. Welcome back. We're going to talk about Puss in Boots. Hold on, Gabe. Oh, I liked, actually like that track. Which one? Antihero. My sister was educating me. Yeah, the Bleachers version is the one I like. I don't like the other ones. They're, they're oh, it's the special version? Yeah, it's dope. All right, so... Puss in Boots. <laughs> we are back for the Puss in Boots. You loved this movie. I really like this movie. Can you tell I was me... Gonna, before we cut to the break, mm. I was going to say that part of that, part of why I think everyone enjoyed it so much mm. is that we all went in... Besides the hype. You didn't even go in until it was hyped, though. Uh, Yeah, but I still went in with... Low expectations. Like, knowing the history. Let me also say, I've never seen a Shrek Shrek film. Really? In its entirety. Oh, what? I've I've seen clips. Like, I I know the bit where he's like, donkey. You know, I know everyone knows that bit. But (laughs) but you've never seen a Shrek movie? Shrek was like... Start to finish, I've never seen a Shrek movie. Shrek was like a revolution, revelation. Uh, because revolution. because they're like, oh, other 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 companies can make animated movies besides Disney. Right. <laughs> and it was interesting because no one had ever made like an adult animated film. Like Disney never did. So when Shrek hit, it was like, oh, this is funny because it... It changed the world. It caters to adults as much as it does to kids. And... Uh, you know, it plays off of the storybook themes and yeah, fairy tales and stuff. Fertile ground for storytelling. <laughs> yeah, very <laughs> fertile. Um, but so Puss in Boots didn't come in until the character didn't come in until Shrek 2. And he was voiced by a much younger Antonio Banderas at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Who still sounds great, by the way. Yeah. And then I guess in the spinoff, he met Selma Hayek's character, the kitty. Kitty Softpaws? Yeah, and and that's Selma Hayek. And then something happened. There's some history. I never saw the spinoff. 
Yeah, called Puss in Boots. <laughs> Shocker. 2011. Yeah, there you go. So let's set the stage. This is the sequel to a 2011 film? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. This is weird. This is the weirdest movie. Not to be confused with 1988's Puss in Boots starring Christopher Walken. Oh, a wow. delightful tale of a cat who becomes a sharp gentleman and sets out to restore his master's name and wealth after it's, he goes. It's puss. me, puss. <laughs> Kitty, it's me, puss. <laughs> I've got to find that wish. That's the last one. I haven't seen one around in a while. I'm out of my lives. <laughs> I got no more lives. Everything I wanted was here with this strange doggo. All right, so let's get down to brass tacks, Stephen. Show me your brass. I really enjoyed this movie. Mm-hmm. Let's start off at the top. Okay. The comparisons to Spider-Verse are because of the animation. Style. Which you can probably talk more about than I can. It was kind of like that comic book. Would you call it cell shaded or no? Slightly cell shaded, yeah, but it, it, there's other like um, things happening in the animation. I think, like uh, for example, like in Inside Out, they invented something to like have the um, protagonist character, who's voiced by uh, Amy Poehler, mm. to to have like a glowing effect. I think in this animation and in the Spider Verse, they have certain um, like almost like plugins or like algorithms that are causing certain things to look a certain way. So there's the specific thing happening with the shadows and the shades and the way that the light hits. Like if you look at the fur of some of the animals, like yeah. certain hairs stick out and are notable outside of other hairs on the fur of the animal. And so you can see like almost every hair looks a little bit different, but I, I don't think an animator is actually going and making every hair different. I think it's it's kind of like an algorithm kind of thing. But there's that throughout the whole film. So there's a lot of, as far as the animation style, there's a lot of care and like artistry that went into it for sure. They blend really well, both 2D and 3D elements to give it this incredibly dynamic yeah. look, especially in the action scenes. And frame rates. Yeah. So... Oftentimes you'll have your your main characters going at normal frame rate, which is like 24 frames per second or 30 frames, whatever they're choosing to show you. And then the slower characters or the bigger characters will be going at a slower frame rate, like yeah. like a little bit choppier. It's almost like 20 frames per second or mm -hmm. 18 or 12 or something. And so they have one character going in full frame rate yeah. while the other character is choppy and it's bonkers. It's so cool to watch. It is. And that lends itself really well, I think, into the storytelling because it was a bonkers kind of... There's a lot of wild stuff that happened in this, in this uh -huh. movie. Um, and then it has a lot of heart. Yeah, which leads me to the next part of this movie. So we said the animation is, is wonderful. Mm -hmm. It's pretty remarkable, especially considering nothing, I think, in Trek or Puss in Boots lore has kind of done that before. Or matters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the story was was really... Well done. And it blended, again, word of the day, blended beautifully, more mature themes and subtext with, with a very, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> with this really wholesome kind of fun for the whole family storybook story. So that blew me away. Like, for instance, the, <clears throat> the depiction of death, the Grim Reaper in this film, who, he was like a wolf, right? Mm-hmm. He's, his, he's the big bad wolf. His whole character in relation to 
purse. <laughs> was incredible. I I love seeing uh, personified depictions of death mm-hmm. or the Grim Reaper on mm-hmm. the big screen and what people can do when they really play with the formula. Well, I want to set the stage really quick. I and mean, you can keep talking, but when you first meet this character, you think he's a bounty hunter chasing Puss in Boots, and yeah. it's not really revealed until later that he it's actually a personification of death chasing him like because he's on the whole idea for the film is that puss in boots is on his last of his nine cat lives Mm -hmm. and he's he's really close to death and he's feeling it so he's now being chased by the grim reaper who's not the grim reaper but it's the big bad wolf in a hood Um, he's very menacing and he's got glowing red eyes and instead of a scythe he has like two like hooked blades that look like little sickles like tiny like tiny like yeah sickles that's what i meant sickle yeah Yeah. comrade comrade wolf but there's a great line at the end because yeah again full spoilers there's a great line by the wolf where he says something along the lines of i'm not a metaphor i'm I'm literally death and i'm coming for you Mm -hmm. Uh, so pretty smart and self-aware approach throughout this film so that was cool and terrifying also at times like the whistling cue that came in throughout Mm -hmm. the film Mm mm-hmm Really great motif. Mm -hmm. But everything about this film blew me away because it was tackling themes of identity, mortality, all that stuff Mm -hmm. with Puss. But even the the sillier characters, like the dog, the therapy dog that Mm -hmm. is traveling with him and Kitty throughout their adventure. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm revisiting it now because this was like probably over a month ago that we saw this film. Yeah, he's, the the dog is voiced by um, Harvey Guillen or or. Gwilin, uh, something like that. But he was really cute. I uh, got a cute voice. And then Florence Pugh is Goldilocks. Did you know that? I afterwards I did. I didn't catch it in the film. And then Olivia Coleman was the mama bear. So there's that whole element of like family doubling down because yeah. they, they're also bounty hunters trying to track down this thing. But you're also exploring their journey and their connection between each other as well. Yeah, there's several groups of characters, and yeah. everyone has their own journey. And then John Mulaney. John Mulaney as the total caricature of, uh, what's his name? Jack Horner. Jack Horner. Little Jack Horner, who's the now most, big, fat Jack Horner. The most evil dude ever. In town. Yeah. <laughs> and potentially one of my favorite, I mean, it is one of my favorite bits in the film, is where the cricket, who is, I guess, supposed to be Jiminy Cricket. The, the conscience. Manifests on Jack's shoulder. Unbelievable. And they have this incredible back and forth over three or four scenes in the film yeah. where the cricket is realizing, or whatever the insect is, is realizing that Jack it's, it's, is irredeemably evil. Yeah. Like, cartoonishly <laughs> he's, evil. He's, like, trying to be his conscience. Yeah. And Jack has just unabashedly embraced his his evilness. And no one sells it better than John Mulaney. Because it's everything's absurd. <laughs> yes, but they have these great references too. In this, there's some really hilarious action scenes where Jack Horner and his crew of what do they call them? Like the Dirty Dozen or something? They're pursuing oh, the Baker's Dozen. The Baker's Dozen. Yeah. They're they're pursuing our heroes and his total disregard for his crew's safety, and they're constantly <laughs> being attacked and yeah, uh, you know, yeah, thrown aside by the perils of the wild, fantastic realm they're traveling through. I can't remember what, what the place it is is called. Right. Yeah, so he's like he's like the the two D, not the two D, he's like the the one dimensional villain, and then you get the the layered approach through Puss's relationship with the Grim Reaper Wolf, which is always fun to see. This kind of there's depth to 
Yeah. Like the villains there. Uh-huh. Like you have the Emperor and then you have the Darth Vader. Yeah. Just shades of, you know, sure. character development there. Totally. Um, yeah, like you said, the Goldilocks stuff was amazing. Finding, family, mm-hmm. self-acceptance, mm-hmm. all this incredible stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, There's also like the like the setting and the backdrop. They They find themselves in sort of a magical space and they're on in this place that changes according to whoever holds the map. And it, it's kind of revealing of what's in the heart of the, the person who's holding the map. And it becomes something different for everyone. But at some point you explore like deep cavernous cavities of each individual as they hold the map and they go into these spaces and <laughs> Puss in Boots finds himself confronting himself and his nine lives. And it, uh, it's like he takes a good hard look at like who he was and who he's been, who he wants to be. And he tries to outrun his fate. It, you know, there's a whole, there's a lot to be said there. It gets intense too. Like and the same thing boots. happens for the, the bears and the, yeah. And it gets, it gets pretty visceral, honestly, at points because he is suffering from a trauma that is causing panic attacks. Puss in Boots has panic attacks right. in this film. He does, that's right. And that's crazy. And then he has to cuddle the dog to make to him see feel that, better. At least it's crazy to me in a movie like this to see that, something that is so real and, and mm-hmm. kind of dark, you know, mm-hmm. thematically. That's why this this movie is pretty remarkable to me. And mm-hmm. it did it did all these things well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it stuck the landing, honestly. Mm-hmm. Kind of subverting the expectation between the showdown between Puss and, and Death and all the characters kind of their character arcs closing and Goldilocks and her family are, they've, you know, resolved their family issues. And mm-hmm. the only one who doesn't make it out is Jack, Jack Horner. Who yep. Like, he explodes into a bunch of fireworks, I think. Right. Yeah. He got, he got blown up. <laughs> John Mulaney's voice is just insane. It's like the most insane thing. <laughs> Well, I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> I'm evil. I pulled out my thumb and said, "What a good boy am I!" <laughs> it's so sassy. Yeah, it's so sassy. Yeah, I don't know. You you have much more experience with animated films of high caliber because of Disney and all this stuff. I really haven't yeah. very, seen very many, especially in recent years, except for the ones that kind of stand out amongst the. I should say that, like, for animated films, just in general. Like a lot of work goes into them, so mm-hmm. unless you get a Polly Shore Pinocchio film, <laughs> oh my god, they're usually good, and they they usually have some redeemable moments, or there's something. But this this was definitely uh, exceptional. Yeah, I, I I really liked it. I don't think I liked it as much as everybody else, but but it's hard to beat Spider Man for me because I love Spider Man. Yeah. Uh, so we have Across the Spider Verse coming out real soon. Yep, this year. Not to be confused with Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Spider-Man films and confusing naming conventions. Name a better duo. (laughs) Well, that's true. (laughs) Um. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah, honestly. (laughs) That is something I... I always... I was thinking tonight while driving here, I was thinking, man, this is going to be boring. And I was like, Gabe will make it funny. And <laughs> I did not expect to end up there. That was really funny. Yeah. I just want to say, I, uh, I'd i probably call this a, you know, a perfect film. What? Is it in your top 10? Did it knock out Avatar the way of water? <laughs> no, nothing's knocking out Avatar. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because 
This is much better film than Avatar The Way of Water. Yeah, I'm not arguing with you there. Thank you. Then it should knock out Avatar The Way Maybe of Water. Maybe I'd have to revisit it, okay? We, we've damn. seen we've seen several 2022 films since 2023 has begun. Yep. And I haven't revisited my list since we did that. And the ball's going to keep rolling. I think we're caught up. In, uh, no, we're not caught up. Concerned. We're not caught up. No? There's so much stuff to watch still. But from last year? Yep. Like what? I told, I've just, Memoria, Vesper, oh. Vortex... I guess those. Could. I still want to do decision to leave broker. We haven't done any of that. Oh yeah. And then well, I, some of those were already in my top. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> here's a song from yeah from the do your puss and boots puss yeah. a puss and boots. <laughs> you do it. You do it really well. It's me. I've had a lot of experience. <laughs> it's all you've been doing since you saw the film. A puss and boots. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what else he says. What, he has like several catchphrases in the film. I am the best. <laughs> I am the best. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, here's here's a it's a good way to take something that should have been a ten minute cast and made it a half hour. Go see Puss in Boots and take your kids. Okay. Take your grandparents. <laughs> <laughs> here's the song. Is your favorite fearless hero? Who is your favorite fearless hero? Who's brave and ready for trouble? Ha ha! Who's so unbelievably humble? Who is your favorite fearless hero? Who is your favorite fearless hero? Who's the guy who rolls the dice and gambles with his life? Who's ever been touched by a blade? Who's in boots is never afraid? Who is your favorite fearless hero? Who is your favorite fearless hero? 